Well, good morning. <clears throat> My name is Adam Morrill. I'm an intern here at Bridgewater, and I'm so excited to be here with you this morning. One of the things that I love about preaching is that I'll spend a whole week in God's Word and praying over the passage that God would be working in my own life before I show up here on a Sunday morning. And just a couple of weeks ago, Rich asked if I could preach in our series on conflict. So I don't know if God is telling me anything, but what I can say is that I am right here with you guys working on conflict in my relationships as well. And just to give you a little bit of a recap of last week's message, the big idea was that it's not about winning. As Christians, we are called to seek to be at peace with all people whenever it is possible. And so it's not about running away from conflict in our lives, and it's not about repaying evil with evil. In fact, it's about even doing good to those people who wrong us and leaving revenge in the hands of God. And this morning, we'll be answering the million-dollar question, and that is, what is the source of conflict in our relationships? Sometimes it feels like we cannot run away from conflict. It's in your workplace, at your school, even in your home. It's with your coworkers, with your family, and with your friends. Sometimes it feels like you would have to run away to a deserted island in order to just escape the conflict in your life. And I heard a story once about three guys who did just that. They got so fed up with the conflict in their home. They were so sick and tired of arguing with their wives about which way to squeeze the toothpaste. Or they would come home from a long day of work and want nothing more than to take a nap and relax, and their kids would go running through the house like a herd of elephants. And so this was their game plan. They were going to take a ship and just sail away to a deserted island and escape all of that conflict in their life. And that's exactly what these three guys did. And when they landed on the shore of this deserted island, they burned their ship cutting all ties to the life they had once known. There was no way that they were going back to the conflict in their lives. But it wasn't long after that they started to regret that decision. They had to deal with these awful rainstorms on the island. They would eat bugs for breakfast, lunch, and dinner as their food. And they had to put up with the blazing sun. But then one day they came across good fortunes when they discovered a magic lamp. And this lamp offered each of the men one wish. Not only was this their ticket off of the island, but it was also the key to living the dream life. So the first guy made his wish. He rubbed the lamp and he said, I wish that I was a billionaire in the Beverly Hills. And poof, he was gone. The second guy rubbed the lamp and he said, I wish that I was at the most fun place on earth. And poof, he ended up in the Tunkhannock's kids' ministry. <laughs> the third guy looked around as he rubbed the lamp, and he said, I'm lonely, and I miss my friends. I wish I had my friends back. And poof, the other two guys were back on the island. With one wish, one desire, the third guy brought back his friends, but probably lost his friendships. 
And in this series, we have been saying that relationships are the context for some of the greatest, most joyful moments in our lives. But they're also the context for some of the hardest and most difficult moments in our lives. And so that brings us back to the question, what is the source of conflict in your relationships? Is it the people in your life? Maybe it's your family. Just a few weeks ago, I was over at a family's house, and it was discovered that somebody had eaten some food from the refrigerator and then just put that empty container back into the fridge instead of washing it or even putting it in the sink. And it just reminded me that I did the same kind of thing when I was living with my parents. Like, I would eat the last granola bar and then put the empty granola bar box back into the cabinet. And let me tell you, it did not put me in the good graces of my mother. But I would also get upset when people in my family would eat cereal for breakfast and then put the cereal box away with only like two spoonfuls of cereal left in it. So then I would come down in the morning excited to see that my favorite cereal is still in the cabinet and then very disappointed to know that it's not even a full bowl of cereal. It's worse than just eating all of it. So maybe the source of conflict in your life, it's your people. Maybe it's your family, your coworkers, or the people that you go to school with. But maybe, maybe the problem is just the environment. Like if you didn't have to share a desk next to that person or an office next to that person who just drives you crazy, there would be peace in your life. Or maybe you know that person in your family who just has the impressive talent for getting their dirty laundry in every corner of the room except for their laundry basket. And you think, all right, if we just had a change in environment here, like if we gave them a bigger laundry basket, then they w- there's no way they'll miss, and that'll just resolve the conflict in this relationship. Or maybe you have kids who just go through the house making a mess every th- with everything they touch. Like, am I the only one as a kid who was told that the couch is not a garbage can? So maybe if you just had more garbage cans in your house, then your kids would pick up after themselves and there would be no more conflict. And once we narrow down the source of conflict in our relationships, then I think the following question is, what is the solution? What can we do to solve that problem? And so if we say that it's the people in our lives who are the source of conflict, then what can we do? Like, just wait for them to clean up their act? Or maybe, how about you just tell them everything about them that you don't like and tell them what they need to do to change? That will resolve the conflict in your relationship. Or maybe there is that environment, that place where you can go to and nobody else will fight. Well, the truth is that the source of conflict in our relationships, it's not people or even the places. The problem in the source of our conflict is within each of us. It's within me and it is within you. And that is why no matter where we go and who we are with, we bring the ammunition for a fight or an argument with us. And so When it comes to resolving conflict, the first problem to address is you. If you would like to follow along with me in your Bibles this morning, please turn to James chapter 4. 
James was written by the brother of Jesus. And so if there was any conflict going on in the house of Mary and Joseph, I'm sure none of them could point to Jesus and be like, he's the one who started it. But in this case, uh, James is writing to Christians who are spread out all over the place to give them some practical insight on the source of fights and arguments. And this is what he says. What causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from your desires that battle within you? And notice here what James is not saying. He's not saying that that fights and arguments come from other people's desires that battle within them. If the solution to the problem was limited to the other person and their desires, then we would be in a hopeless mess because it would be out of our control to fix anything. But what we learn from this passage is that the source of conflict, of fights and arguments, it's from the desires that are within us, that battle within us. And so we can be a part of that solution. Fights and arguments are really just external expressions of a deeper and inward problem. But so often, we try to just clean up our life with external fixes instead of addressing the deeper problem. For some of us, maybe that's the silent treatment, where you say, all right, I am through with arguing with that person, so I'm just not going to talk to them anymore. And then maybe from the outside, it looks like things are resolved. Or maybe your approach is to just avoid that person, avoidance, where you say, all right, if I see that person, if they cross my path one more time, I'm going to slug them in the face. So I'm just going to stay away from them. And oh, look, we're not fighting anymore. But the reality is that these are just external fixes that don't really take care of the problem and actually have the potential for making things worse. It was just a few weeks ago uh, where my small group at the Montrose campus met at Avonlea's house. And after small group, a few of us guys stayed to help her replace a dishwasher. And we thought that we had shut off the water, but as one of the guys in my group, Jay, disconnected the water hose from the dishwasher, we quickly realized that the water was still on. It started spraying water all over the place. And so he quickly put his hand on the hose to restrain the water from coming out and making a mess all over the floor. Well, another one of us quick reached under the cabinet and turned off the water at the source. So many of us, as we deal with conflict in our lives, our approach is just like holding our hand over a water hose, as if saying, enough to fighting, enough to arguments, but not dealing with the deeper problem. And that's what we're called to do this morning as we examine the desires that are within us. And so I just want to encourage you right now in your seats, just take a moment to pray a silent prayer to God, that God would just open up and soften your heart and help you to examine the desires that are really within you. Because I know it is never easy to hear that there is a problem within us. But I really do believe that God has some awesome things in store for our relationships when we follow his design in dealing with conflict. 
And just to give you a little bit more of a picture of the word that James is using here for desires, it actually comes from the Greek word hedon. And throughout the New Testament, uh, it could be translated as pleasure or lust. And it's always used to refer to selfish ambitions. And it's from the word hedon that we get the English word hedonism. And if you've ever heard that before, hedonism is a philosophy that holds that there is no greater purpose in life than just seeking after pleasure and doing whatever makes you feel good. And as we know from this passage, that such a pursuit in life is really just a sure path to fights and arguments. James says that these desires battle within us. It's like they're fighting for the steering wheel of your life, seeking to take control. And it's, it's that battle that goes on in your heart when you're clearing up dinner after just eating steak for dinner, and you're already thinking ahead about how you can pack that steak for your lunch before anybody else in your family gets to it. Or it's that time when you're driving behind somebody who's doing 55 and a 55, and you feel like, oh, I just have to cross them on this double solid line. Or maybe it's that battle that goes on within you when you come home after a long day of work and you just want to relax and watch some TV and then your family asks you to help clean up around the house. And it's not that these desires are necessarily bad within themselves, like steak. Wanting steak is not a bad desire. Steak is definitely a gift from God. And it's not wrong to want to get somewhere on time And it's definitely not wrong to want to get some rest at the end of a long day. But where things get tricky is when good desires, good things, become sinful desires. And so as we continue on in this passage, James is going to give us two indicators to know when our desires are sinful. And the first is, you know that your desire is wrong when you are willing to sin to get what you want. Take a look at the first part of verse 2. It says, You desire, but you do not have, so you kill. Remember, James is not writing to pagan axe murderers here. He's actually writing to Christians. And so there is probably a situation going on in the church where Christians were even going to the extent of killing to get what they wanted. And so I'm just assuming, and I hope none of you have killed anybody recently, But so often, we are also guilty of sinning to get what we want. I can give you an illustration of this in my own life. I was about 16 years old, and I came across an advertisement for a $100 McDonald's gift card. Now, I don't even like McDonald's that much, but I was enchanted by the idea of having $100 to spend on McChicken's. And so all I had to do was fill out a digital application. And this application would just ask for my contact information, like my phone number, my email. If you know this is where this is going, you probably know, like, I'm just setting myself up for marketing scams. But despite knowing that if something's too good to be true, it usually is, I was, like, full sending it. And so I was filling out this information, And where I got hung up is when it asked for my date of birth. And to be eligible to get this gift card, I had to be 18 years old. 
And like I said, I was 16 years old. So I called up one of my buddies and I was like, hey, I have the opportunity of a lifetime. I can get this $100 McDonald's gift card, but it's asking me to be 18 years old. And he's like, well, as long as you're not like offering your social security number, it's probably okay to continue with this application and just say that you're 18 and nobody will know the difference. So I'm like, all right, game plan. I'm going to get this gift card. So I filled out this whole application. I lied about my age and sent it in. And it wasn't long afterwards that the home phone rang. My mom answered it, and the person at the other end was like, hey, is this the wife of Adam Morrill? And that's when I knew that my sin had found me out. In this case, it's not wrong to want anything from McDonald's. It's not wrong to want a gift card. But that desire was a wrong desire when I was willing to lie about my age to get it. The second indicator that James gives us to know when our desires are wrong is when we are willing to sin when we don't get what we want. Believe it or not, I can give you a second example of my sin. And this time I was 17 years old and I planned this trip into one of the state parks with a few of my friends. The oldest of my friends was 18 years old, and so I relied on him to take care of all the details of renting a cabin and paying for it. And he put the cabin under my name, and that whole purpose was because he was going to show up at 12 o'clock at night. And the game plan for me was uh, to show up with his brother at like 3 in the afternoon. All the details were falling into place until I showed up at the camp and asked for the key to my cabin. But they wouldn't give it to me. Even though the cabin was under my name and already paid for, I was younger than 18. But I was not about to let go of my desire to get into that cabin. So I asked for permission to just hang out around the campsite. They gave me permission, so I pulled up to the cabin. And the first thing I did was walk around the cabin, and I realized that I could slide one of the windows open from the outside. So I slid that window open, hopped into the cabin, and unlocked it from the inside. I was feeling pretty proud of myself for that stunt. Like, I didn't even need the key or anything. And then we loaded up the cabin full of our gear, and I thought we were all set until I saw a park ranger pull up to our cabin and get out. And I got this sinking feeling in my gut, like, oh boy, I got to talk to this guy. So I go up to the park ranger, and the first words out of his mouth were, you know you could get arrested for this? I've never said yes, sir, so many times in my life. And after getting an earful from this park ranger, I told him that I would move all of my stuff out of the cabin and lock it up again. And so I was true to my word. The park ranger left. I got everything out of the cabin and just sat by a campfire until 12 o'clock at night when my buddy could help us get the key. And every time I heard a car coming down that dirt road, I just had this anticipation that it would be the park ranger coming to check up on me. The park ranger didn't show up, but at one point, a park police officer showed up to investigate the situation and I had to admit that I had broken into the cabin when they didn't give me the key. Not only did that harm my relationships with the people who worked at that camp, but I felt like I had ruined my testimony as a Christian. Like, after disobeying the park rules, 
it doesn't really put me in a position to be like, hey, I'm a Christian. Do you go to church? I was willing to sin when I didn't get what I wanted. What are the circumstances in your life, in your relationships, where maybe what you want, it's not a bad thing, but the lengths that you will go to get it, or your response when you don't get what you want, does it bring honor to God, or does it just show that the pursuit of your life is chasing after the things that you think will bring you pleasure, even at the expense of your relationships? In this passage, James has given example after example of people who sin to get what they want, and they fight, and they argue, and they kill, and they still come up short. And so James reveals some more of that problem at the end of verse 2 and going into verse 3. If you want to follow along, check out the end of verse 2. It says, you do not have because you do not ask God. When you ask, you do not receive because you ask with wrong motives, that you may spend what you get on your pleasures. So often, we don't get what we want because we're leaving God out of the picture and we're just trying to get what we want based on our own ability, even at the expense of our relationships. And so often, we don't ask God because we either think that God is not willing or able to give us what we ask for. But I think if we actually took some of our desires and put it in the form of a request to God, it would just make it all the more clear that we are just bent on seeking our own pleasures and that our motives are wrong. So pay attention to some of these prayers. If you were to pray, God, please let my family just be content with eating chicken nuggets so they won't be mad at me for taking all of the leftover steak in my lunch. <laughs> or, or God, please don't let there be any cops around as I pass this person in an illegal way. You ever prayed that before? Prayed that you wouldn't get caught? Or maybe you're praying, Father, as I come home today and I'm exhausted, please just let my family leave me alone so I can watch TV by myself for the next four hours. It becomes very clear that we're just chasing after pleasure. But sometimes these are the kind of prayers that we pray. And we wonder why God doesn't give us the answer that we want. When we treat God like a genie, just making wishes, seeking to add pleasure to our lives. And I think that it just goes to show that we can even go through the motions of doing Christian things. We can pray and still have wrong motives. And that's why we have to remember that the source of conflict is within each of us. And that the first problem to address in conflict, it's you and it's me. And even if the other person has done 75% of the damage in the relationship, like they're responsible for the majority of the problem, I think we still need to own our part. And this is the second rule in our series on conflict, is own your part. And owning your part doesn't mean pretending like the other person didn't have some kind of involvement in the conflict or some role to play. But we can get so hung up on just pointing out the faults in other people that we turn a blind eye to the desires that are within our hearts. 
And so as we continue on, I'm just going to give you a few questions to be able to walk through conflict in your relationships and examine really what is inside your heart. And if you're taking notes, I would really encourage you to write this stuff down. It's free information, but if we can be applying it in our relationships, I think that'll be very rewarding. And so the first part to assess in a conflict is the situation. Like, how would you explain this situation if you were writing it down in your notebook or telling your friend about it? And then next, examine your response. How did you act when things maybe didn't go the way that you wanted them to? And then next, what were your thoughts? And this can even include what you were feeling. What were you thinking? What were you feeling? And what triggered your thoughts or feelings? And then the next one is your motive. And this is the big one, the one that we've been talking about all morning. What are the desires that are battling within you that compelled you to do whatever you did? And then finally, well, and then next is the result. Did you get what you wanted? And just from the example of the passage that we've read this morning, we've seen examples of Christians fighting and arguing, praying and not praying, and still coming up short with what they wanted. And so often, this is true of the conflict in our relationships when we're just pursuing after our desires. We often come up short. And is this the case for you? And then finally, hindsight. What should you have done in this situation? What would it have looked like for you to do what is honoring to God and to follow the example of Jesus? Now, I know that all this inward reflection It's hard, and it doesn't come naturally to me at least. But we can cut off fights and arguments at the source when we realize that the true problem is within us. When we realize that the first problem to address is us, and we own our part. But this is not how the rest of the world is teaching us to deal with conflict. But I believe that we are called to something different to something better. If you backtrack a little bit into chapter 3 in James, James is giving a comparison between worldly wisdom and heavenly wisdom. And this is what he says about worldly wisdom, that it's all about holding bitterness in our hearts. It's about seeking after selfish ambition. James says that where we have envy and selfish ambition, There we will find disorder in every evil practice. And this is true in our relationships. The world tells us to follow our hearts, to just do whatever we want that makes us happy. The world tells us to hang on to bitterness, that we don't have to forgive, and that when others wrong us, that it is justified for us to do back to them what they have done to us. But let's pay attention to James chapter 3, Verses 17 to 18, if you'd like to follow along with me, this is what it says. But the wisdom that comes from heaven is first of all pure, then peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy and good fruit, impartial and sincere, peacemakers who sow in peace reap a harvest of righteousness. 
And I am so excited about what God can do in our relationships when we put this stuff into practice. When we examine the source of, of our conflicts, our desires, and when we remember that the first problem to address in conflict is us and when we own our part. So let us pursue peace. And I know that it is not easy, but God gives us the strength to do that. And we are on a better road when we follow heavenly wisdom instead of the wisdom of this world. And let me pray that God will give us the strength to do that. Heavenly Father, I thank you for uh, your word that is so practical and gives us the instructions that we need in order to navigate relationships. Uh, As we read this morning, we know that our hearts are desperately wicked and deceitful. Our desires are so often uh, just to please ourselves. Help us to make our desires your desires. Help us to just have an honest assessment of what is within our hearts and seek to honor you with all that we do. Uh, we know that you give us the strength, and we cannot do this in our, in our own abilities. Uh, I know there's unique situations for everyone here in this room, uh, but you know what that is, and you care about what is going on in our relationships. Uh, We trust you, Father, and we thank you for your love and pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.